What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, and here it is, the final part of episode zero of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2017 2018 NFL season. This being the final part of episode zero means exactly what you think it means. In two days' time on Thursday, I will be dropping the week one picks ahead of week one of the NFL season. Can't wait. So as you'll recall, if you've been paying attention to the first two parts of episode zero, we went through full AFC predictions and full NFC predictions. Thank you very much if you've taken the time to watch those. Now we're into episode three, or sorry, part three of episode zero. And what this is going to be, it's going to be sort of a two-parter. The first part of the episode is going to be full NFL playoff predictions for the upcoming season, 2017-2018, based on my predictions that we've given over the past two weeks, I've got our playoff seating, the teams that are just going to miss out on the playoffs, and it's a couple of really interesting ones, and we're going to go through the entire playoff as I predict it until we get to our Super Bowl 52 matchup and our Super Bowl 52 champion. After that, we're going to talk just a little bit of fantasy. I've drafted now two full fantasy football teams. I got at least one more draft coming up before the start of the season. That's coming up this Sunday, and it's the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Draft, which, like I've done in the past couple of seasons, I'll probably make a specific video for with the team that I wind up drafting. But I've drafted a couple of teams. They're both in PPR leagues. One, my own league, we've swapped over to Dynasty starting for the season. So it's a Dynasty startup draft. Keep that in mind. We'll just talk about the teams as they look right now until we get into the rest of the episode, which is just going to be a bit of a Q&A. I've been soliciting people for questions on Facebook, on Twitter, questions, just stuff that's happened in the offseason or stuff that people just want to hear me talk about. So we're going to do that to end off the episode again in advance of the week one picks coming up in two days time. Once again, folks, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, search Bridgewater's Finest. Anywhere you can get a podcast, you can get this show. The subscriber base is slowly crawling up on YouTube. The follower base is slowly climbing up on SoundCloud. Even got a couple of iTunes subscribers in the last couple of weeks. All very, very exciting. Super happy. Uh, I love you guys, and I love doing this, and I'm going to keep doing this until I absolutely can't do it anymore. Maybe I lose my voice, who knows. But YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, get there, you can find the show. Also guys, the Pick'em Leagues. We've gotten Hatbox's numbers up to 23. In my Pick'em League, we only added one person this week, and it was Hatbox. Come on guys, what are you waiting for? Get your opportunity to get shouted out on the show on a weekly basis football.fantasysports.yahoo.com slash pick'em. You go to join group. The group ID is 9909. The password is BWFinest, B-W-F-I-N-E-S-T. Go to Hatbox's Pick'em as well. The group ID 7881. The password is just Hatbox. All of that information in the description below in the video, in the SoundCloud episode, in the iTunes episode. Our numbers are at 13 and 23. We need to see those numbers grow before the start of the season. What are you waiting for? Get in, join the Pick'em Leagues, get a chance to get shouted out on the show. And in case you're wondering, yes, I will be shouting out whoever wins Hatbox's League every week. 
Also a good time to remind you that I'm going to have some content, weekly content, one piece of weekly content at the start of the NFL season on the Hatbox Nation YouTube channel. That link is in the description below as well. Make sure you subscribe to Hatbox Nation. You get all the Hatbox's videos. You're going to get my content that I'm going to be producing for that channel. You're going to get Billy B's content. You're going to get all kinds of content on the Hatbox Nation channel. Make sure you subscribe. But don't worry, my show is staying on my channel. All right, without further ado, let's do this. Playoff predictions for 2017-2018. Now, if you've listened to the AFC and NFC episodes, you kind of know who I think is going to win the divisions, but we had to go deep cuts into tiebreakers to figure out the seeding, to figure out the matchups, to get to my Super Bowl champion. So let's get started. We'll do this. We'll start with the AFC as we did the AFC episode first. That was two weeks ago. I don't expect your memories to be that great. So in the AFC, six playoff seeds. Here's how they break down. The number one seed is going to go to the New England Patriots. I've got them going 13 and three. But if you'll recall, I also had the Oakland Raiders going 13 and three. The Patriots are going to win this on the head-to-head tiebreaker. They play once this season, I believe. I like New England to win that game. They win it on the head-to-head tiebreaker. They take the number one overall seed in the AFC. And the Oakland Raiders take the number two seed in the AFC. They'll be getting the bye weeks heading into wildcard weekend. The number three seed is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers, 10-6. and They are going to win that division over the Baltimore Ravens. They win that division on the fifth tiebreaker, the strength of victory tiebreaker. Pittsburgh has will have better wins against opponents with more wins than will the Baltimore Ravens. So on strength of victory, Pittsburgh takes the number three seed. That, of course, bounces Baltimore into the muddy AFC wildcard situation, which we'll talk about in just a second. The other division winner I said was going to be the Indianapolis Colts at 9-7, and seven, so I've got them as the number four seed in the AFC. Now, to the wildcard situation, I've got three teams in the AFC finishing the season at 10-6, and six, so no AFC team that doesn't get to double-digit wins is going to have a shot at the playoffs, and I think that's going to ring true as well in the NFC. So we've got Denver, we've got Baltimore, and we've got the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll take the first one out of the equation here. The Denver Broncos are going to win the number five seed, and here's how it's going to happen. They're going to beat Kansas City in the division tiebreaker because the way that this goes when you've got three or more teams you eliminate until you only have the top two teams per division when the two when the teams in question are in different divisions so it's got to be between Denver or Kansas City Denver's going to win out on that with their divisional tiebreaker the divisional record Denver at 10 and 6 eliminates the Kansas City Chiefs they do not make the playoffs despite getting to 10 and 6. So it comes down to Denver and Baltimore. Those are your two AFC wildcard teams. Denver gets the number five seed based on a better conference record versus AFC opponents than Baltimore has. So Denver, the number five seed, the number six seed goes to the Baltimore Ravens, both at 10 and 6. 
the Kansas City Chiefs at 10 and 6 miss out on the playoffs just by inches. And that's just life in the NFL. So we've got New England and Oakland on buys. Here's how the wildcard weekend in the AFC is going to shape up. We've got the number three seed Pittsburgh Steelers playing host to the number six seed Baltimore Ravens and the number four seed Indianapolis Colts playing host to the number five seed Denver Broncos. In that 3v6 game, division game, AFC North, going to be very hotly contested, very physical game. It's going to be difficult, however, for Baltimore as a historically not great road team to go into Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers if the Steelers have a 10-6 and six season. You don't get to a 10-6 and six season by accident on either side. But just based on the fact that that game is in Pittsburgh, I like the Steelers to win that game. So, wildcard weekend, I like Pittsburgh as the number three seed to beat number six seed Baltimore. Then in the 4v5 game, you've got the Indianapolis Colts playing host to the Denver Broncos. Colts, look, it's all going to depend on Andrew Luck, whether he can hold up over the length of a full season and whether he runs out of gas. I like the Denver Broncos in that game. Their quarterback situation, again, is murky at best between Simeon and Paxton Lynch. But I actually like Denver to go into Indianapolis and win that game. So as the number five seed wildcard team, the Denver Broncos will go into Indianapolis as the number four seed and beat the Colts on wildcard weekend. Denver over Indianapolis. That sets us up in the AFC division round games, a one versus five matchup of the New England Patriots playing host to the Denver Broncos and a two versus three matchup of the Oakland Raiders playing host to the Pittsburgh Steelers. In that 1v5 matchup, New England hosting Denver, I just don't think the Broncos will have the firepower to keep up with the Patriots, even with the loss of Julian Edelman, which definitely hurts. I think Danny Amendola is going to take over a large part of that offense that has now been lost by losing Edelman for the season. It's it's not going to be a huge seismic shift for the Patriots. And honestly, I think, look, Denver's defense is great. Denver's defense is going to be able to keep them at bay for a portion of that game. But I like the Patriots in that one hosting Denver. Denver's got to go to New England. I don't think they beat them in New England. So I've got the Patriots as the number one seed in the division round to beat the number five seed Denver Broncos and go on to the AFC Championship game to meet the winner of the 2v3 matchup of the Oakland Raiders playing host to the Pittsburgh Steelers after a good 10-6 and six season to get the division, to get the number three seed. Pittsburgh going to go into Oakland and it's just going to be too little too late on terms of the offensive side of things. I like Oakland to win that game. Oakland beats Pittsburgh in Oakland, who are going to have an excellent season at home. Pittsburgh's going to be a good road team, but I don't think Pittsburgh goes into Oakland and beats the Raiders in the playoffs. So I got the Oakland Raiders meeting the New England Patriots in the AFC Championship game. AFC Championship, one versus two, the New England Patriots playing host to the Oakland Raiders. And where Denver didn't have the firepower to keep up with New England, Oakland most definitely does. You heard it here first. The Oakland Raiders win the AFC Championship going into New England 
and beating the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Oakland, as the number two seed, dethrones the Patriots. Oakland wins the AFC. The question is, who do they meet in Super Bowl 52? Let's find out. Let's go over to the A, the N, ugh. Let's find out. Let's go over to the NFC side of things now. Once again, NFC, your top six seeds are going to break down like this. The number one and number two seeds are going to be occupied by Green Bay and Arizona. Both of those teams I have going 13-3 and three this season and winning the number one and number two seeds. Green Bay is going to beat Arizona in that race for who gets the number one seed, who gets the number two seed, based on common games. Green Bay is going to win one more of the common games between those two teams, and that's the tiebreaker that's going to decide it. The Packers at 13-3 and three get the number one seed in the NFC. The Cardinals at 13-3 and three get the number two seed in the NFC. Determining seeds three and four once again come down to a tiebreaker as we have both the Dallas Cowboys and the Atlanta Falcons finishing 11 and five to win their respective divisions. I've got Dallas as the number three seed and Atlanta as a very strong number four seed and that's based on head to head. They play once this season. I've got Dallas winning that game. So Dallas gets the number three seed at 11 and five. Atlanta gets the number four seed at 11 and five. Your number five seed is head and shoulders, the Seattle Seahawks. I've got them going 12 and four. Unfortunately, they cannot win the division at 12 and four in terms of my projections, as we have Arizona at 13 and three. So Seattle, a very strong wildcard team at number five at 12 and four. And the final playoff team in the NFC comes down to the two teams in the NFC that I've got also finishing 10 and 6. So once again, if you don't get to double digits, I don't think you're making the playoffs this season. Those two teams are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 10 and 6 and the Minnesota Vikings at 10 and 6. And based on head to head, I've got Tampa making the playoffs. I think Tampa beats Minnesota in the one game that they play against each other this year. That's the tiebreaker that determines it. The Tampa Bay Bucks are going to the playoffs as the final wildcard team at 10 and 6 and Gio DeFranco's Minnesota Vikings just miss out on the playoffs also at 10 and 6. A brief moment of silence for me for all the hatred I'm about to get from Chiefs and Vikings fans. All right, so Packers and Cardinals, they get the buys. They're on to the division round, but wildcard weekend. This sets us up for a 3v6 matchup of the Dallas Cowboys playing host to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and a four versus five matchup of the Atlanta Falcons playing host to the Seattle Seahawks. This season, I project the Tampa Bay Bucks to be absolutely deadly on the road. I think when they hit the road, they are going to be damn near unbeatable. That was kind of the case last season. They were an incredibly good road team last year. I think that only gets better this season. I'm expecting huge things out of the Bucks. I'm officially a Bucks believer, and I think the Bucks are going to go into Dallas and beat the Cowboys on wildcard weekend. Three versus six. I've got the underdogs, the number six seed, Tampa Bay Bucks going into Dallas, beating the Cowboys. Bucks go on to the NFC division round. 
Then in that 4v5 matchup of Atlanta playing host to Seattle, it's not that I think Atlanta is a necessarily a hugely better team. Like Seattle still has that incredible defense. But again, Seattle, historically not a great road team. They'll have to cross the country to go to Georgia, go into Atlanta, and play the Falcons. And I don't think they win that game. So I'm going to give Atlanta the number four seed, that victory over Seattle, to go on to the division round in the NFC. Atlanta beats the Seahawks. So in the division round, that leaves us with the David versus Goliath matchup. One versus six. We always love to see that. The Green Bay Packers playing host to the Tampa Bay Bucks, And we have a two versus four matchup of the Arizona Cardinals playing host to the Atlanta Falcons. So one versus six, Packers versus Bucks. Again, Bucks are going to be an incredibly good road team this season, but that's going to be back-to-back roadies where they have to go to Dallas and then have to go to Green Bay, two extremely difficult buildings back-to-back to win games in. Back-to-back road games, it's a bad bet to begin with, but especially in those kinds of buildings and having to win in Green Bay in December or in January, sorry, when you play usually in Tampa Bay, it's going to be a cold weather game. I don't like the Bucks' chances in that game. I'm going to take Green Bay at home to beat the Bucks in the NFC division round to go on to the NFC championship game. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers go into the NFC title game once again with a victory over the Bucks. That other matchup, two versus four, Arizona taking on Atlanta. Atlanta was actually a good road team last season. I think they were either five and three or six and two. I should have that information right here in front of me. They were six and two on the road last year. Incredibly good road team, in fact. Anytime you can be better than 500 on the road, you're doing something right as a franchise. Having to go into Arizona to play the cards, where I think the cards are going to be seven and one at home this year, have an incredible record. A great offense. The defense, I think, should come around and play better than it did for the vast majority of last season. I'm going to give the edge there to Arizona, but that's going to be an incredibly tight game. Take the over in that game for sure. It's tight, but I'm going to give it to Arizona. I like the Cardinals at home to beat the Falcons in the NFC Division round to go on to the NFC Championship game. That sets up an NFC title game of one versus two once again. Maybe I'm trying to make it quote-unquote easy on myself. The Green Bay Packers playing host to the Arizona Cardinals. Not like these two teams have any history. In that NFC Championship game, Packers-Cardinals kind of comes down to the same thing that I said about the Bucks Going into Green Bay and trying to win in January is incredibly incredibly difficult especially for a team that plays in a warm weather climate you might not think it makes that much of a difference it does when you're green bay and you're used to playing in that cold weather in november and december and in january in the playoffs it's a huge home field advantage whether you like to agree with it or not it's a big home field advantage so I like the Packers. I mean, maybe it's easy for me to say, well, they're the number one team in the NFC, so they're going to the Super Bowl. But honestly, Green Bay, based on my projections, Green Bay's got a path to do exactly that, and I think that's what they're going to do. I like the Packers to beat the Cardinals in the NFC Championship game to go on to face the Oakland Raiders in Super Bowl 52. 
Kind of ironic, too, that the Packers are going to represent the NFC in a Super Bowl played in Minnesota. Super Bowl 52, Oakland, Green Bay, AFC, NFC, Raiders, Packers. By a final score of 34-30, to 30. take the over in this bad boy. Your Super Bowl 52 champions will be the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers gets his second Super Bowl championship. He wins, probably wins the MVP. Let's be perfectly honest. I like Rodgers and the Packers to go from 0-0 zero and zero before week one all the way to Super Bowl 52. You heard it here first. My Super Bowl 52 champion, the Green Bay Packers. Also, mad respect to the Oakland Raiders and what they've done with that franchise. Raiders make it to Super Bowl 52, champions of the AFC in 2017-2018. Huge ups to them. A regular season of 13-3, and nothing to hang their heads about. Oakland Raiders going to have an incredible season capped off with a trip to Super Bowl 52. So that's my projection. Packers, 34-30 victory over the Raiders in Super Bowl 52. What's your Super Bowl prediction, your playoff predictions? Who makes it? Who doesn't make it? Let me know all of that in the comments section below. And if you absolutely hate me for what I've said about your team, eh, that's going to happen. Okay, let's take a break from talking about real football to talk for just a few minutes about some fake football. Fantasy football, it's that time of year. I believe uh, National Draft Day on Yahoo took place just a couple of days ago. I've drafted two full teams now. Now, one draft, I was actually only there for bits and pieces because I was also at work, but I did manage to get, I would say, the majority of my picks in. Now what was auto picked for me was absolute garbage. So you got to you got to understand here this team has been kind of patchwork, but I'll tell you the moves that I made, like the players that I brought in not in the draft and specify the ones that I did bring in through the draft. So, this is a league called Dog Nation. I've been in this league for a few years run by my good friend Tommy. And uh, I have been pretty successful in this league. I believe I've won this league before, coming off of a third place finish last season. So my draft went like this. At quarterback, we've got Aaron Rodgers and Carson Wentz as the backup. Wentz has the highest projected total of the quarterbacks that were available on Rodgers' bye week. So why not? So we grabbed Carson Wentz as the backup quarterback. At wide receiver, we start three every week. I've got Michael Thomas. Devontae Adams and Sammy Watkins as my third. The backups, the guys that are on the bench right now, Kenny Britt from Cleveland. I think he's going to have a decent year. And through free agency, I brought in Ted Ginn Jr. from New Orleans. You can't hate that speed. And Drew Brees is going to have himself just another downfield target. At running back, Dalvin Cook, rookie from Minnesota, and Ty Montgomery. So my running backs were a little eh, but I did manage to grab Amir Abdullah through the draft. Bilal Powell through the draft and then grabbed Duke Johnson Jr. in free agency. So I'm feeling okay about the running backs. Tight end situation, drafted Zach Ertz, managed to pick up OJ Howard through free agency after the draft. See if I can capitalize on any rookie success that OJ Howard might have. 
Chris Boswell from Pittsburgh is my kicker. I managed to pick up also Baltimore and Tampa Bay's team defenses. There's a very high defensive scoring league. We also have individual defensive players, which we're going to have in this league and in the next league that we're going to talk about as well. So we start four just any defensive player slot and four players specifically on the defensive line. My defensive players, we're looking at Quan Alexander, Landon Collins, Zach Brown, and Sean Lee. On the defensive lot line, sorry, we've got Demarcus Lawrence, Olivier Vernon, Ndamukong Su, and Fletcher Cox. Now, a lot of this was built through free agency because the way Yahoo auto-drafts individual defensive players is garbage. So the majority of this was built through free agency. Also got Linval Joseph, a defensive lineman, on my bench. And right now, on my injured reserve, I have Aaron Donald. He counts as injured reserve because of his holdout. When he comes back, he's probably going to replace, I would say, probably Olivier Vernon. Even though Vernon's, I think, is going to have a really good season. But they're on the same bye week. So I'll likely dump Olivier Vernon for Aaron Donald and then move Linval Joseph into my starting lineup. So that's how the team looks right now. Yahoo gave me a draft grade of A, which is usually a pretty good sign. Aaron Rodgers was my first round pick because this is a very high quarterback scoring league. So Aaron Rodgers was my first round pick. He was the guy that I wanted. I spent the first round pick to get him. And I think I got a pretty decent team behind him. You know, Sammy Watkins is a bit of a question mark there, but hopefully I can get some good results out of Kenny Britt and Ted Ginn Jr. at wide receiver. I'll probably wind up grabbing another wide receiver in there somewhere, but that's the way the Dog Nation team looks. What do you guys think of that team? Let me know. Dog Nation, by the way, is a 10-team league. All 10 teams returned from last season, and based on the Yahoo report cards, I had the third best draft. Now, time to talk about my own league, the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football and again, this is just a startup dynasty. It's the first year. We've got 12 teams in the league. I'm really excited about where this league is going to go. And I kind of like the team that I put together too. Now look, startup dynasty means in the draft, I did skew young. And the vast majority of what I have here, in fact, I think pretty well everybody except for a couple of the individual defensive players, which we have once again, pretty well everybody I managed to pick up through the draft. So here we go. At quarterback, Jameis Winston, and he's backed up by Phillip Rivers. I currently have Rivers on the trade block for any managers in the league who may be listening. So I grabbed Jameis Winston, and the reason that I grabbed Jameis Winston is because of my first round pick. I picked number four overall, and I took Mike Evans. He's the player that I legitimately feel in PPR Dynasty is the top player to get. So at number four, I did manage to get Mike Evans. And that was the um, that was the easy pick for me. So I managed to grab Jameis Winston as well. Every Winston to Evans touchdown, boom, that's double points in my pocket. Now we start two wide receivers every week. So I paired Mike Evans with Devontae Adams from Green Bay. Might as well get a piece of whatever Aaron Rodgers happens to throw his way. Last year, it was 75 catches for 997 yards and 12 scores. I would certainly take that once again. At running back, 
had an interesting uh, interesting experience with the running back position because of where I drafted. By the time we got her back around to the second round, a lot of the like the elite running backs were were not there. So my strategy, since we're in dynasty, was to go rookie rookie and see who worked out. Leonard Fournette from Jacksonville and Dalvin Cook from Minnesota. Right now, we're the first two running backs that I took in the draft. I went rookie, rookie, and we're going to see how the two of them work out. Leonard Fournette by volume should be fine. Dalvin Cook, obviously he's got uh, Latavius Murray there now in Minnesota, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook are the two current starting running backs. At tight end, I managed to grab Jordan Reed, and I'm backing him up just for this season with Dwayne Allen. Kind of maybe banking on a Gronk injury, have him miss a couple of games, see if Dwayne Allen can do something with Tom Brady in that New England Patriots offense. I know he's mostly been used as a blocker so far in the preseason, but we'll see what a good pass-catching tight end who's not named Gronk can do in that offense. You know, Martellus Bennett did pretty well last year. In this league every week, we also start two players at the wide receiver, running back, or tight end. So we just got two flex positions on offense. Right now, those are filled by Jamison Crowder and Bilal Powell. Uh, Jamison Crowder, I think, is going to have an excellent season in Washington. Bilal Powell is a PPR monster in New York, and it looks like he's probably going to get the majority of the reps this season. So he could be a big add in a PPR format for me and he's not as far as I remember anyway not super super old when was he born 88 so not terrible other sexy position players those being the wide receivers or the running back my other wide receiver compliment is Tyrell Williams from the Chargers and we're also looking at Corey Davis rookie from Tennessee so I'm kind of hoping that Corey Davis will develop this year very well have a good season with Marcus Mariota make my decisions as difficult as humanly possible when it comes to who to keep heading into next season oh I should mention this other little thing that at quarterback I actually drafted three quarterbacks in this draft my third quarterback is the ultimate fantasy handcuff Jimmy Garoppolo so if something happens to Brady I got the New England Patriots starting quarterback, so I, you know, I, you got to feel pretty good about that. Other running backs, I grabbed Derrick Henry from Tennessee, and just on the day, just on the evening of the Spencer Ware injury, and just on hearing that something happened with Spencer Ware's leg, in the draft, I grabbed Kareem Hunt, and he was late too. It was, this draft was weird. It was one of the weirdest fantasy drafts I've ever I've ever taken part in. So it was weird. Kareem Hunt was still there. The guys in chat started talking about Spencer Ware just got hurt. So I grabbed him because it was my turn. He was there. Boom. I grabbed him. Rookie out of Kansas City. All Andy Reid does is create starting running backs. So now that Spencer Ware is gone, Kareem Hunt will likely wind up being one of my starters, probably over Dalvin Cook or Bilal Powell. Because he's going to be a bell cow and he's going to have every opportunity in that Kansas City offense to be a monster. So I'm so happy about picking up Kareem Hunt. Uh, Mason Crosby is my kicker. If you got to have a kicker, why not take one of the best in the game? We do not play team defenses in this league. Instead, we build our own through individual defensive players. 
So the way my individual defensive players are set up in this league, you have one player just at a random at any defensive spot. You have two dedicated defensive backs, two dedicated defensive linemen, and two dedicated linebackers. So we start seven individual defensive players every week. Right now, just at the plain D spot, I've got linebacker Alec Ogletree, my two dedicated defensive backs, Jonathan Cyprian out of Tennessee, and Tony Jefferson out of Baltimore. My two dedicated defensive linemen, Damon Harrison from the Giants, and Linval Joseph once again. At linebacker, we got Sean Lee and Kiko Alonso out of Miami. I got Byron Jones, safety out of Dallas on my bench, and safety Sean Davis from Pittsburgh also on my bench. And also in the IR spot right now, currently on the pup list, but looks like he might be on track to get back at the beginning of week one. Hopefully, Ziggy Ansah from Detroit, because he can take over and be that backup defensive lineman, a pretty darn good defensive lineman as far as he can uh, return to his form from 2015, which I think he should be able to, and relatively young, so dynasty, it made sense. That's my team in my dynasty league. What do you think of that team? How do you feel about it? Let me know in the comments section below. Once again, this is a 12-team league, and according to Yahoo, I was only tied for third, but possibly as low as seventh in terms of how the draft went. Also, hey, tell me about some of your fantasy teams. Tell me about some of your steals in your fantasy drafts. Tell me about the teams you think are going to do great, the teams you think are going to be garbage. Tell me all about that in the comments section below. I love talking fantasy, love talking fantasy projections, all that fun stuff. Let me know in the comments below. All right, folks, here we go. Time to start the Q&A portion of the episode. We'll call it, you know, it's Q&A, press conference, all that fun stuff. Here's some questions that were submitted by viewers, fellow progs, and friends. Logan Schiff wants me to talk about the Zeke Elliott investigation and subsequent suspension. I think specifically he had asked, do you think that the investigation had gone on too long? Do you think it was being intentionally delayed? Things like that. I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist. You know, go to go to Geo if you want your conspiracy theories. But I don't think it was being intentionally delayed. But again, I have to admit that I don't know enough to say one way or the other. I don't think it was being intentionally delayed. I think they were doing their due diligence. As far as the suspension, the appeal process is still kind of ongoing. I think final comments in the appeal are going to take place on Friday, I think, if I'm correct in saying that. I still full well believe that on appeal, the suspension will be reduced. I don't think it'll be removed, but I think it'll be reduced. Uh, two games, I think, would be probably ambitious. Uh, four games sounds about right to me, so I, I figure it'll be reduced from six games to four. But, um, you know, it's going to be real interesting to see how Dallas, if it's not reduced, is going to manage in those first six games. If you remember from last week's NFC episode, I have Dallas in those first six games going four and two, losing at Arizona and against Green Bay. But they've got some relatively easy games in there. Like, I mean, they've got the Rams at home and then they go to play the 49ers in week seven, which would be the last week without Zeke. 
So <laughs> nice rhyme there. I, that actually was not planned at all. But uh, so I think they're going to do just fine in there. And again, have an excellent season at 11 and 5. I do still think the suspension is going to be reduced on appeal, but we'll have to see how it happens. Andrew Warren and Chris Carter both want me to talk about Colin Kaepernick. And for anyone who is already an NFL YouTube prognosticator, this is going to be so much rehash on Colin Kaepernick. But I'm going to try to make it short. Because, like, more has kind of happened. I mean, look, I'm not surprised, and I don't blame anybody for being sick of this story. We've been talking about it for a year. Like, the one-year anniversary of when this protest started just passed. So we've been talking about Colin Kaepernick in this context for a year. So I understand if people are fatigued about it. Let's do a little bit of a rapid-fire Q&A here. Does Colin Kaepernick deserve to be on an NFL roster? Absolutely. The numbers indicate that he deserves to be on an NFL roster and the people that want to fudge the numbers to try and pretend that it that they don't say that are lying to you. They're just plain lying to you. I'm not saying Colin Kaepernick should be a starter in the NFL. I'm saying he's good enough to be on an NFL roster, to be somebody's backup, to be a mentor to a young quarterback. Colin Kaepernick is good enough to be that and if an injury happens, he's good enough to step in. Colin Kaepernick will not cost you a game. That's that's the real barometer. There are quarterbacks in this league and even good ones like Philip Rivers even comes to mind. There are quarterbacks or Eli Manning who will cost you a game with their own mistakes. Colin Kaepernick is not one of those players. You look at what he did last year on a bad team, a four to one touchdown to interception ratio. Any quarterback that can play a decent number of games and have a four to one touchdown to interception ratio is not going to cost you a game. Look, he's not a 5,000 yard passer. He's not going to throw 40 touchdowns. He's not going to be an elite quarterback. He may not even be a starting quarterback, but he could probably be a lower end starting quarterback. Who's not going to cost you a game. You can't tell me that the Jacksonville Jaguars would not be a better offensive team with Colin Kaepernick as the quarterback instead of Blake Bortles. You can't tell me that because it's not true. It's simply a lie because you don't like Colin Kaepernick for whatever reason. And I kind of understand the reasons why people wouldn't like him, but mostly I think it just comes down to bullshit if we're being perfectly honest. So look, does Colin Kaepernick deserve to be on an NFL roster? Yes. Would I want him as my starting quarterback? Eh, probably not. But I'd like him on my team. Why is he not on a team? Because owners are cowards. There's one owner in the NFL with the balls to sign Colin Kaepernick, and it's Jerry Jones. That's it. That's He's the only owner in the league that has the balls to do that. The rest of them are like, oh, public backlash, and oh, fans will say mean things about me on the internet, and oh, oh, all these situations. That's the rest of the owners in the league. Jerry Jones is just like, yo, we doing this. So he's he's the only owner in the league that has the balls to sign Colin Kaepernick. Where will he sign? I honestly thought he was going to sign in Miami. I thought Miami was going to be desperate enough after the Tannehill injury that they were going to do that and they were going to sign him. And I was going to celebrate. Miami was going to become my dark horse team. Instead, they turned around and signed Jay Cutler, who had just retired to start broadcasting. So Miami's not going to have a good season. It's simply not going to happen. And Jay Cutler is going to continue to have that someone pissed in my cornflakes look, which is just 
perpetually on his face. I honestly thought he was going to go to Miami. I mean, who knows? He still might. There's a number of places that I think he could sign. It's not, I don't think, completely out of the question that he could go back to San Francisco. I don't think that's going to happen, mind you, but, I mean, it could. Like, look, there's there's teams that their offense would be better, would be significantly upgraded even, with Colin Kaepernick. The New York Jets come to mind. Uh, let's, you know, the Chargers probably not, but hey, as a backup quarterback, if Rivers ever gets hurt, friggin' why not? Um, Cleveland, I know they just saw, um, named Deshaun Kaiser, I believe, as their starting quarterback. That's great. If he falters, why not bring in Colin Kaepernick to kind of just take care of the offense until he can kind of get his head straight? Again, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you can't tell me that that offense and the weapons that they have on that offense, Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, you can't tell me that that offense would not be better if Colin Kaepernick was the quarterback. Because it it would be. 100% it would be. Uh, Let's keep going down the list. I mean, the Rams, for goodness sakes. Again, San Francisco, like I mentioned, their offense would be better with him. Chicago's kind of got their quarterback situation. It's already muddy enough as it is. Quite frankly, Mitch Trubisky should be that team's starting quarterback in week one, but I guess that remains to be seen. Um, Carolina as a backup quarter, like as a backup quarterback to Cam Newton and to get a chance to be in that culture of the Carolina Panthers and to see if that can kind of resurrect his career a little bit. Why not? New Orleans, why not? Bring him in as a backup to Breeze if Breeze ever gets hurt. Kaepernick can run that offense. Got good offensive weapons to make him look good. Once again, a quarterback with a 4-1 to touchdown-to-interception ratio is not going to cost you the game on his own. He's Alex Smith, which is really ironic. He's Alex Smith. He's a game manager that's not going to cost you a game directly. Why not bring him on? Oh, that's right. Oh, the public backlash and oh my gosh, what are people going to say? And people are going to burn jerseys and people are going to say they're going to boycott despite the fact that they've already bought season tickets. And oh my God. All it takes is one owner not being a coward. That's all it takes. Once there's one owner that needs a quarterback that's not going to be a coward about it, Colin Kaepernick will be on an NFL roster. Hey, Jerry Jones... Something to think about. So that's it. Let's let's move on from the Colin Kaepernick of it all. If you have comments or whatever you want to talk about it, talk about it in the comments section below and we'll talk about it a little bit further if there's specific things that you want to talk about. But look, that's why I think Colin Kaepernick's not on a roster because owners are cowards. That's my that's my that's my thesis. My thesis statement on the Colin Kaepernick topic. He's not on a roster because owners are cowards. Chris Carter also then asks, did Ray Lewis really kill that guy? I think this is more a joke question than anything else, but what the hell? I'll answer it anyway. Um, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I don't know enough about the topic to say whether he did or he didn't. I believe enough in the legal system that I think if he did kill that guy, they probably would have figured it out by now and probably would have arrested him, but... I mean, I don't know. I I really, I really don't know. Now, with the way that his personality has changed from that time to now, you could make the argument that there's somebody that did something horrible 
either found God or straightened his life out or whatever and has kind of, you know, progressed to where he is now. Look, Ray Lewis, one of my favorite players of all time. Like, I, I'm a, I'm a not a closeted Ravens fan, but I'm like, I don't have a team. I don't have a favorite team, but I like good football and I love watching Ravens football. So I loved Ray Lewis. Did he kill that guy? Maybe. Like, that's honestly, that's, that's all I can say. Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know enough to say one way or the other. Uh, it's possible, but I'm sorry, Chris. I, I, I wish I could give you a funnier answer, but uh, I don't know. But OJ, he, he did kill those people, which is funny because we're going to talk about the whole parole situation in a few minutes. Chris Carter also asks, more likely season-ending injury, Andrew Luck, Tom Brady, or Big Ben? And I love questions like this. So Andrew Luck is basically a glass cannon because his offensive line is not great. So he takes a lot of hits. He's going to get hurt. Brady, they do a good enough job of protecting Brady. He usually gets hit like once or twice a game. And every time it happens, uh, everyone in the broadcast booth loses their minds. Like they're taking shots. But it's, anyways, um, so Brady, I don't think it's going to be Brady. Big Ben is the... You know, he's older than Luck. He's had injury concerns. But Big Ben is like a moose. Like, he's just like, I think he would play if he lost an arm, as long as it wasn't his throwing arm. Like, big. so season-ending injury? I don't think so. Andrew Luck has got to be the, the, the top name on this list because he is so injury-prone. Probably not going to play week one. So I got to go Andrew Luck in this question. Luck probably the most likely of those three to hit a season-ending injury. Doug Barrett asks, a team that will miss the playoffs who made it in 2016. And we kind of talked about this a little bit before, but look, we're going to look at it. Uh, we're going to look at it like this. From I got the playoff bracket from last season up. Miami's not going to make it. Uh, Houston's not going to make it. The New York Giants aren't going to make it. I don't like Detroit to make it either. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, that's that's about it. So there's there's four teams right there that I don't think those teams are making the playoffs. New England's going to make Oh, the Chiefs. The Chiefs, look at that. I don't think the Chiefs are going to make the playoffs either. New England's going to make it. Pittsburgh's going to make it. Oakland's going to make it. So you're going to have a lot of turnover, playoff turnover in the AFC. Uh, Dallas, I think, makes it again. Atlanta, Seattle, Green Bay, they make it. So less turnover in the NFC. But in the AFC, there's going to be a lot of playoff turnover this year. So those are the teams that I don't think are going to make the playoffs who had some playoff experience from last year. Doug Barrett also asks, do the Titans or the Bucks have a better shot at making the playoffs? To me, it's the Bucks. I've got the Bucks as my number six seed. I've got them winning on Wild Card Weekend. The Titans, I don't think it's going to be a great season for Tennessee. It's look, it's seven and nine. I think it's a downgrade from last season. They've got a really difficult, one of the more difficult schedules in the AFC. It's going to be really tough sledding for them. It's going to be a good season for them to approach that 500 level, as far as I'm concerned. I think Marcus Mariota is going to have an excellent season. They've got great players on that team, and that defense, that secondary, is very good. It's not easy to pass on them. But as far as which of those two teams has a better shot at the playoffs, to me, head and shoulders, it's the Bucks. Thank you, by the way, to Logan, Andrew, Chris, 
and Doug so far for their questions. Doug also gets his last question in here, Doug Barrett. Uh, which team has the best shot at tanking to get the number one overall pick? It's definitely going to be an AFC or sorry, an NFC team. It's either San Francisco or the Rams. It's one of those NFC West teams. I've only got San Francisco at 1-15. I got the Rams at 2-14. and 14. You can't discount Cleveland, but I do think Cleveland gets to three wins, which is definitely an upgrade for that franchise. But I think it's got to be either the Rams or the 49ers. I think it's probably the 49ers, and I think, you know, it'll depend on the draft class. But, I mean, maybe they go quarterback first overall. But I honestly, I think San Francisco probably... It has is the team that's got the inside track to the number one overall pick next year. Now, Andrew G. Royal asks about the O.J. Simpson parole. So let's talk about the O.J. Simpson parole. I firmly believe that O.J. Simpson killed those people back in the day. I firmly believe that he got off on a technicality. The whole glove thing, everything, everything like that. The Chewbacca defense, all that, all that shit. I think he got away with I think he got away with murder. He was in jail this time for something unrelated to that. I can't remember what it was right off the top of my head. The judge who sentenced him basically sentenced him through double jeopardy. This was a judge that decided O.J. Simpson got away with murder. So here he did something else and I'm going to retroactively punish him for the other thing. It may seem like justice. And in some perspectives, it probably is. But it's not the way the legal system works. It's just not. It's not the way it works. And he was sentenced for a crazy amount of time for the thing that he did. So did he deserve parole? Yes, he did. Because this judge went into business for themselves. I think it was a woman. So this judge went into business for herself. This judge decided unilaterally to say, I'm not going to follow the word. She could have followed the word of the law and given the maximum possible penalty for what happened, for what he did this time around. But she didn't. She did more than that. He deserved to get parole based on what based on what he actually did. And being apparently a relatively model prisoner sorry sorry he deserved to get paroled i'm sorry that's the way i feel about it i do believe that he got away with murder but i he he deserved to get the parole that's that's my opinion on it if you disagree let me know in the comments section below let's talk about it but as far as i'm concerned my opinion right now is that he deserved to get paroled andrew thank you for your question Matt Coombs, Matt the NFL Fanatic, asks about the futures of borderline QB1s, and he specifically mentions Blake Bortles, Ryan Tannehill, and Sam Bradford. Now, you can very easily lump Ryan Tannehill and Sam Bradford together. They're relatively close in age, probably relatively close in skill level. Everybody always talks about, oh, Tannehill, borderline elite, blah, blah, blah. So look, Tannehill's now out for the season with an injury. Sam Bradford is basically keeping the QB1 spot in Minnesota warm for Teddy Bridgewater when he can finally come back. I think their future is basically the same. Within a couple of years, both of these guys are going to be backup quarterbacks, veteran backup quarterbacks, to help a young quarterback along. I hope Sam Bradford stays in Minnesota. I think it's a good fit for him. He can help bring Teddy Bridgewater along as a veteran quarterback, a good veteran quarterback. I like Sam Bradford in Minnesota. Ryan Tannehill, 
is probably not going to have his job in Miami for much, much longer. I don't think that's my personal opinion. I could be totally wrong, but I think his destiny is probably the same veteran backup quarterback somewhere helping a young guy along Blake Bortles will not be in this league in three years. He won't. He's unfortunately, and I got nothing against Blake Bortles. Unfortunately, I believe him to be a failed experiment. I really do. I And it, look, it, Jacksonville, the situation in Jacksonville has just as much to do with that as anything else because it's Jacksonville. They have no idea as a franchise how to win, especially not how to win on the road. And Blake Bortles doesn't do himself any favors with that. Just throwing up these, like, look, some of the interceptions that Blake Bortles has thrown that I've seen him thrown, I could have picked them off. And that's a problem because I'm a 275-pound white guy. I shouldn't be able to pick off his passes. I know I can pick off his some of his passes. He's not going to be in the league in three years because he's not, as far as I'm concerned, he's not good enough or doesn't have the reputation enough behind him for somebody to bring him on as a veteran, you know, veteran leadership, veteran backup because he doesn't have good leadership ex- experience because it's all been in Jacksonville, <laughs> so, quite frankly. Um, again, I think they're going to be decent this year. But it's Blake Bortles is going to have very little to do with that as far as I'm concerned. So Tannehill, Bradford, veteran backups in a couple of years as far as I'm concerned. Blake Bortles, within three years, you heard it here first. He ain't going to be in the league anymore. Welcome to the CFL. Speaking of which, hey, CFL picks are back on Thursday too. Yay! Matt, thank you very much for your question. We move from the quarterbacks to the running backs. Billy B of Hatbox Nation asks, will the role of the fantasy running back die within a couple of years? I have to say, no, not at all. And the reason that it won't die is because, look, as PPR continues to gain popularity, I think PPR is an excellent format. It's my preferred format. I like playing points per reception. Running backs in this league today are so much better at catching the football. Way better than they were 10 years ago. You used to have like the couple of elite scat backs like the Danny Woodheads and stuff like that. But now like your RB1, your starting running back can catch the football now. Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, like they can catch the football now and that is going to that only makes them more valuable in real football and in fantasy football. So as far as the fantasy running back, I think the one-dimensional fantasy running back, the fantasy running back that can't catch the ball at all, is that's not going to survive as as your elite like top-tier number 1 guys that you're targeting at the top of the first round in your draft. That's not going to survive unless you're playing like points per carry or points per touch, then maybe it'll survive a little bit. But these running backs that are good pass catchers too, that can also catch 50 to 60 passes a year, they're going to stay your top tier, your 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 guys that you absolutely target with the first two or three picks in your draft. That's definitely going to survive into the next probably 10 years of fantasy football. Billy, thank you for your question. And we're going to finish off with a trio of questions from my friend Wayne Cooper. Wayne asks, first, is the preseason too long? Yes, 100% the preseason is too long. The preseason should be two games. You should have your first game where your starters play, 
you know, probably maybe the first series or something like that, and then you play. Two weeks later, you come out, you play your season warm-up like they do usually do in week three of the preseason. You got two preseason games, you got another bye, and then the season starts. That's the way the preseason should go. It's like in junior hockey. In junior hockey, there's only three preseason games, and they're spaced out like a week apart. Very intensive training camps are where you make your cuts, and that's the way the NFL should go. The fact that football players have to play four preseason games, to me, is crazy. I I don't think that's the way it should be. The preseason is too long. It should only be two games. Wayne also asks, how will Tom Brady fare into his 40s? Um, Looks pretty good so far. Now, I mean, he is throwing in the preseason, throwing a couple more interceptions than you'd like to see him throw. His mechanics aren't as great. But I mean, once the actual season starts, Brady's going to be perfectly fine. As long as they can keep him protected, because look, in your into your 40s, you're not taking those hits like you took him in the third in your 30s, or like you took him in your 20s. So they got to keep him protected. But I think Brady's probably got three to four, maybe more seasons of being like a top tier elite quarterback because he's also in excellent shape. And I think in situations like his, the game probably keeps you younger. So, uh, honestly, I think he's going to be, for the next couple of seasons anyway, I think he's going to be just fine. And we'll get out of here on this one. Wayne Cooper asks, can Dak and Zeke Elliott repeat their rookie seasons? Um, Not with the suspension to to Zeke. Um, If the suspension wouldn't have happened, I would say for Zeke, yes. Because that offensive line is still killer. Like, that's still a great offensive line. Dak... I mean, look, I didn't think Dak had a stupendous statistical season. So as far as can he repeat that? Probably. I think he could repeat what he did. So, yeah, I would say yes. And, you know, in a full season of being a starting quarterback, I would say totally. Zeke Elliott, obviously not going to repeat his his rookie season. On a per-game basis, totally. Once the season has ended and you look at Zeke's like average per game, it's going to be pretty close to what uh, to what he had in his rookie season. Just his total numbers obviously are not going to be anywhere close because he's going to miss up to the first six games of the season. But, you know, barring injuries, I think Dak can probably repeat his rookie season and Zeke on a game-per-game basis can probably repeat his rookie season as well. All right, folks, that's going to do it for part three of episode zero. The Q&A is done. Once again, thank you to everybody who submitted a question for me to talk about. Logan, Andrew, Chris, Doug, Andrew, the other Andrew, uh, Matt, Billy, and Wayne. Thank you so much for submitting questions for us to talk about in the Q&A portion. Again, anything you want to talk about from the Q&A portion from the playoff predictions, from AFC, NFC predictions, your thoughts on the upcoming NFL season, put them all in the comments section below. I can't wait to read the comments. And two days time, week one picks coming at you from this guy. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. And I'm going to go rest my voice and get ready for Thursday. See you in a couple of days. Thank you.